November, 2004. It's snowing in Tyler and Beth's bedroom. Flecks of snow, tough little ice balls, more BB than flake, more gray than white in the early morning dimness, swirl onto the floorboards and the foot of the bed. Tyler awakens from a dream, which dissolves almost entirely, leaving only a sensation of queasy and peevish joy. When he opens his eyes, it seems for a moment that the skeins of snow blowing around the room are part of his dream, a manifestation of icy and divine mercy. But it is in fact real snow, blowing in through the window he and Beth left open last night. Beth sleeps curled into the circle of Tyler's arm. He gently disengages himself, gets up to close the window. He walks barefoot across the snow-sparkled floor, doing what needs to be done. This is satisfying. He's the sensible one. In Beth, he has finally found someone more romantically impractical than he. Beth, if she woke, would, in all likelihood, ask him to leave the window open. She'd like the idea of their cramped, crowded little bedroom. The books pile up and Beth won't shed her habit of bringing home treasures she finds on the streets. The hula girl lamp that could, in theory, be rewired. The battered leather suitcase the two spindly, maidenly chairs, as a life-size snow globe. Tyler shuts the window, with effort. Everything in this apartment is warped. A marble dropped in the middle of the living room would roll right out the front door. As he forces the sash down, a final fury of snow blows in, as if seeking its last chance at... what? The annihilating warmth of Tyler and Beth's bedroom, this brief offer of heat and dissolution. As the miniature flurry blasts over him, a cinder blows into his eye. Or maybe some obdurate microscope ice crystal, like the tiniest imaginable sliver of glass. Tyler rubs his eye, can't seem to get at the speck that's embedded itself there. It's as if he's been subjected to a minor mutation, as if the clear speck had attached itself to his cornea. And so he stands with one eye clear and one bleary and watering, watching the snowflakes hurl themselves against the glass. It's barely six o'clock. It's white outside, everywhere. The elderly snow piles that have been day after day plowed to the edges of the next-door parking that have solidified into miniature gray mountains, touched toxically here and there with spangles of soot, are now, for now, alpine, like something out of a Christmas card. Or rather, something out of a Christmas card if you focus tightly, edit out the cocoa-colored, concrete facade of the empty warehouse, upon which the ghost of the word concrete is still emblazoned. Although grown so faint, it's as if the building itself, so long neglected, still insists on announcing its own name. And the still-slumbering street, where the neon cue and the liquor sign winks and buzzes, like a distress flare. Even in this tawdry cityscape, though, this haunted, half-empty neighborhood where the burned carcass of an old Buick has remained, strangely pious in its rusted-out, gutted, and graffitied, absolute uselessness, for the last year, on the street beneath Tyler's window, there's a gaunt beauty summoned by the pre-dawn light, a sense of compromised but still living hope, even in Bushwick. Here's a fall of new snow, 
serious snow, immaculate, with its hint of benediction, as if some company that delivers hush and accord to the better neighborhoods had gotten the wrong address. If you live in certain places in a certain way, you'd better learn to praise the small felicities. And, living as Tyler does in this place, in this placidly impoverished neighborhood of elderly aluminum siding, of warehouses and parking lots, all utilitarian, all built on the cheap, with its just barely managing little businesses and its daunted denizens, Dominicans mostly, people who went to considerable effort to get here, who had, must have had, higher hopes than those that Bushwick has granted them, trudging dutifully along to or from minimum wage jobs, as if defeat...